Hi everybody for the first edition of the CEO Talks podcast on the topic all about venture capital we have with us Mr Akul Jindal who is the founder president of CEODU and an alum from SSCBS he was an analyst at KPMG a venture capital fellow at Kalari Capital and also runs a pro bono startup consultancy organization named RHV I could go on appreciating his journey all day long but it would be great if you could let our listeners have a glimpse of how your journey has been till today till achieving this milestone in your life Sure thank you so much for having me uh, on the inaugural edition of this podcast Shikhar really appreciate this and I'm really glad with where the CEO DU team has come it was a huge challenge for us i think about two and a half three years back trying to get this organization off the ground but you guys have made the journey worth it so thanks for that about my individual journey so my tryst with startups of the venture ecosystem started at sscbs i was in my first year when i tried along with the few others to build this company which was known as digital dam the idea with that company was simple which was to help people mitigate digital addiction we spent about 10 odd months building that company unfortunately it collapsed but that was my first taste of venture and that's when i learned that this is the ecosystem i want to continue to be associated with there after over several projects with other startups helping start rhv to provide pro bono consulting services to collegiate startups was when i actually found my fit which was to work in the investments and portfolio space helping startups grow and working with them to be a part of their journey so in line with that spend some time at kpmg uh, understanding what investments look like how do you execute deals really what goes into making it work post which i spent my time going from private equity which was fairly late stage at the kpmg level to kalari capital which is an early stage fund at kalari as part of the fellowship it was a cross functional role so i was working across domains in portfolio support in pr marketing investments and research so that was actually my first full immersion in the venture ecosystem and thereafter i have recently had the privilege of joining venture highways investment team and the official title goes uh, as the millennial philosopher so that's been my journey so far a pretty interesting journey yours has been interrupted uh, so as the millennial philosopher at venture highway so was your initial startup was the was that one of the most important reasons that out of all career choices that were provided to you like consulting or into core finance uh, that you chose venture capital as the most favorable one for you so interestingly enough right when i joined sscbs the idea of course along with a lot of other high schoolers was to work in this and that is back in 2017 idea was to work in capital markets uh, fascinated with stock markets money management so when i entered cbs the idea was to learn more about financial management capital management and to become a fund manager in the public markets so that is how my journey started but yes once at cbs 
uh, I had the privilege of interacting with a few seniors of ours. We of course had uh, the SSCBS Innovation and Incubation Foundation, which was, I think, uh, in hindsight, the catalyst for my journey, for my transition uh, into saying that I still want to do fund management, but instead of uh, public equities, I want to start working in the private equity space. So at that point is when I realized that it's great that you, as an investor, the idea is to find latent value to find or unlock hidden potential. In public equities, you do get to do that. But in private equities, you get to shape it in a much at a much more nascent stage in a much more impactful manner, if I may. So at that, that is the stage when I started learning about how the early stage investing ecosystem works. Also had the privilege of attending a lot of Thai conferences, which is the Indus Entrepreneurs Conferences uh, as a volunteer in the Investors Lounge. So definitely got a chance to speak to a lot of funds, learn from their perspectives. And of course, some of our alumni who have already been in the VC ecosystem. So a lot of positive influences, which actually helped uh, shape my journey here and uh, my transition to venture capital. It's very uh, similar to what all CBCIs generally think of getting into the finance industry first, and then they start exploring the world. Um, so, uh, like the next question that we had from a lot of uh, people was that if you had the chance to work with any entrepreneur, who would you like to work with individually? It's an interesting question. I think a lot of people and any founder for that matter is doing such great work that it would be a privilege to work with any of them. Um, but I think one of the people that I have been most inspired by is uh, Mr. Sanjeev Vikchandani. So of course, Sanjeev Vikchandani is the founder of Nokri.com and they today own multiple other websites as well. So the first internet entrepreneur back in the 90s. And I actually had the privilege of speaking to him once uh, when I was interviewing uh, with him for a role in another VC fund. I spoke to him uh, and what struck me the most about him was his clarity of thought, the maturity and the composure that he was able to express himself with. As, as a founder, there are a lot of things that at this age, you know, you witness in people in sense of saying that there is that edginess, there is that enthusiasm, there is that passion. But I think as a mature entrepreneur, the kind of clarity of thought, the expression and the composure, the way he articulated I think Mr. Sanjeev Vikshandani stood out for me and he will continue to be an inspiration because right now starting a venture has become easy. You know, we have so many tools at our disposal. Uh, you don't even need to know technology. When he started back in the day, he was building a classified website for jobs and there was no scraping or anything that you could do. So he would literally scour through newspapers, identify job openings and put them on knockery.com. And that is the kind of passion that I was inspired by. So you have a blend of probably the best set of qualities. Uh, and yeah, I mean, definitely would have loved to work with him back then. But even today, I think it would be a privilege. That's great. So for me, like my startup inspiration has always been Nathan Kamatsir, uh, the founder of Zeruda. 
um now yeah. moving on uh, to another question that we have was that what are the legal and regulatory hurdles to the venture capital industry in india uh, can anyone start a vc fund in india or there are certain regular uh, the regulatory approvals that needs to be there so i won't go too deep into this right which is how how can you start a fund and all of that because there are certain regulations there is a minimum corpus size you need to have which as i understand is 5 crore rupees to get yourself registered as an aif of which each individual capital contribution has to be larger than 5 lakh rupees in addition to that there are um, other challenges as well in terms of capital gain taxes so there are hurdles a lot of it to setting up a venture fund in terms of the legal and regulatory aspect of it but i think the larger question to ask right and that is what is the niche within the vc space that you want to actually get at so uh digressing from the original question idea is you have the sequoias axels uh, a16z's of the world which have very large corpuses so to for you to set up a vc fund you can raise capital based on your relationships and for most people at the age of 45 or 50 who have been in the corporate world for a while raising 5 to 10 crore rupees might not be that big of a challenge what will be a challenge and continues to be today is how do you say or how do you find the right set of founders and convince them that you are a better source of capital than all of the other funds that are going to be so that is the major challenge today the regulatory hurdles are there there are a lot of advantages to actually set up your fund outside of india which is to say uh, in jurisdictions like mauritius in singapore where you know there are some uh, tax arrangements as well with the indian government so those advantages are there uh, but i think identifying your niche saying or committing to the idea that whether you'll be able to add value as a functional vc which is to say helping in hiring helping in marketing helping in product as a sector expert vc which is something like uh, together dot fund which was started by mr girish mathurbhut from freshworks and then you have the larger guys so idea is now you have three options to actually have a fund which one do you pick why and how do you excel at it so i think that is the question to be solved for and legal issues i mean it takes time but the government has been proactive in promoting uh venture development in our country so i think over time that will resolve these are pretty amazing insights into how can one enter into the vc space in india or start his own vc fund uh one important aspect that always comes when uh asking about vc is what does vc means to a layman and how is it different from a private equity got it so one i think important clarification here is that vc is not different from private equity and i think there is a mis- misconception even i had when i was in high school in college right for the first few months i was also struggling with the idea that you know it's both private pools of capital which are being deployed in unlisted equities so what is different and that's when you actually come to realize that venture capital number 1 it is a sub class of private equity so it because private equity by definition is just two words private which is 
individual pools of capital or private enterprises that you're investing in so that is the entire idea private equity is just that unlisted equity investments so venture capital on the other hand is just that when you're investing in these unlisted equities at a much earlier stage so that is it that is why private equity venture capital is consistently used as a single term everywhere now of course there are private equity funds who have started doing some different uh, in types of investments there are uh, they're, they're doing public equity investments as well taking companies private and all of that is happening as well but that was the initial idea or the concept now how i would explain venture capital to a layman i think the only idea is the moment you start a company and the company is going to take time to come to fruition it's going to take time to generate profits when you need that money when you need money to hyper scale your company right normal companies as well you can build they scale in time but when you need to hyper scale that company that is when the venture money flows in so venture capital the idea is very early stage in the formative days or years of your business the money that you need to start to have some market validation and to grow your business to a reasonable size is what i would call is venture capital so the core difference between private equity and venture capital uh, lies basically in the stage of entry of a startup and in layman terms that basically means providing funds to a new startup correct correct all right got the point so the next question that we had was how do budding entrepreneurs and startup founders go about securing a venture capital uh, go about securing a venture capitalist like what is the exact process should be followed for securing venture capital funds in your own startup so i think first question is how do you identify that this is the right time for you to raise funds even before you go on about securing vcs because from all my interactions i've had one challenge is that people think you have an idea and the moment you start to build out that idea you go and you raise money that is it while that may be the case that is not a 100% accurate that is not what the process should look like you should raise money in vc only when capital is the only bottleneck which means that if it's about talent you must have had tried everything else and only that money is the constraint which is not letting you grow that is when you start raising venture capital that's one second now to your question just how do you secure an investment from a vc fund again here you have to do your research right firstly there are so many vc funds out there in india today i think the number of funds would have and this is a uh, ballpark estimate i think would have grown about 10x between 2015 and maybe today so the idea is you have to identify what sector are you building in so if you're building in saas are uh, there people who have invested in saas who are actively deploying capital in saas within those funds who have deployed capital in a consumer first saas versus uh, an enterprise first saas right so something like 
uh, Freshworks versus a Slack or something like a Zenoti, which is an SMB SaaS product. So you have to identify who's deploying capital in that space or has deployed capital in that space. So there you find some fit, which is, this is what I'm building. This is the stage I am at and I need money now. Who has invested money in this very stage, in this very sector, in some companies? So I'm not saying that you have to be a Zenoti or something similar. What I am saying is that if you're building SMB SaaS, if you're raising your Series A, it may be a good idea to then look at who invested in SMB SaaS at Series A. And then you find that those set of investors, those who have had experience with successful companies in that specific domain. So that is how you should go about selecting the right, selecting the initial reach out list of investors. As you go and as you interact with them, there will be some of them where you will find alignment for your vision with some of them you will not. And that is fine because differences of perspective will always be there. In venture, capital is a commodity and perspectives and the value add that comes are the only difference or the points of difference. So you find the investor whose perspectives in terms of long term, where your business goes is aligned with how you're thinking about it. Someone who can be a pillar of strength for you because starting up and growing your venture is hard. Once you find that fit, you select the VC that you want to work with and hopefully it all pans out. Now, of course, in some cases, the VCs you want may not want to be uh, partnering with you, may not be in a position to partner with you, right? Maybe they've deployed all capital, they're raising their next fund, maybe they've not built their pieces. A lot of this could happen. So in this case, I think you have to go slightly optimizing your routes, which is who else, right? So which is uh, to say that you, which is why you have a list to say that top five partners, five partners after and so on. And the last lesson here is that even if a VC does not invest in your company, it does not mean that the company is not great. One of the best examples for this I've heard is Dream 11, which was rejected a record 150 times before Kalari Capital actually decided to invest. And today Dream 11 is a juggernaut. Last it was valued at north of $4 billion. And there are rumors that it's going to undergo another transaction at an $8 billion valuation. So my note for entrepreneurs is find the right fit of VCs who have invested in your sector, who at the stage that you need the money at and who are aligned with your long-term vision and hope it all works out. Uh, got the point. So once a startup founder approaches a venture capital firm, what are the various parameters that a VC firm evaluates the startup before investing into it? Okay, so each VC firm has a different set of criteria that they evaluate any startup with. And of course, if there was not a different set, set of those parameters, you would see every VC trying to do the same deals. And as we know from the case of Dream 11 itself that I just mentioned, all VCs do not want to be doing the same deal. They do not have similar perspectives. So naturally, the selection criteria are different. But broadly, there are three areas. Uh, one is the founder or the founding team. Second is the product or the solution that you're building for whichever problem you've identified. And third is the market. Whether the market is large enough 
or if it's a slightly smaller market if it's growing fast enough like let's say in the case of creator economy so that is on these three axes you will see uh, startups being evaluated by every fund on a broad lens now each fund has a different philosophy for instance you may have uh, funds that are doing only market first bets so way back there used to be a thing which is funds are targeting only founders who are in building for a specific market so they are taking bets in 10 or 15 enterprises which are building for the same market today you don't see that happening but that was a thing in terms of product let's say if you are building a medical device or a cancer research or an alternative protein so that would be a product first company largely right because your product is uh, what will be more critical and then you have the founding teams which is largely let's say in the case of an enterprise or a consumer product where you know that the differentiated insight of the founder the domain knowledge of the problem is what is going to be uh, critical or the speed of execution so a couple of things there now each fund will evaluate on all of these three parameters but depending on the sector that you are investing in the stage that you are investing in the indexation for the parameter changes so in early stage it will always be indexed more towards the founder because at the early stage of investments you will not see a lot of work having been done on the product it will be in a very nascent stage maybe just uh, it's a prototype maybe there is some traction a 100 downloads of that application similarly you may not know where the market is going like in the case of uber the black caps 2008 that was the initial idea that they were trying to work with and so even in that case people took a bet on the founding team and the technology vectors that were coming through the product was still not there so these are the three broad parameters which is founder product and market and within these it depends on which company you are what stage you are at which will determine how a venture fund evaluates you and what they index on uh got it so once the uh, venture capital firm firm has evaluated on the three set parameters uh, in what ways do the vc firms get involved with the startup is it just the monetary investment that's done and dusted after that or it's that the startup the venture capital firm actually takes inputs and connects them with other uh, organizations where they can scale up the startups so this again right um theoretically at least there are three styles of it which is uh, hands on which is as you mentioned funds that are actively involved actively help out hands off which is funds that once they are once they have cut the check they won't be involved they just wait for their financial returns and then there's the hybrid ones which are people who are let's say board observers who are there but you need to actively proactively reach out to them and tell them that we need you to come in and help us out so theoretically there are these three broadly uh, saying types of engagement that vc firms have with their portfolio companies and this depends on two things number one the founder what is it the that they are looking for so if the founding team is looking exclusively at uh, financial investment right which is let's say it's a very mature organization or let's talk about oyo today so oyo has grown to a scale where the larger questions today 
are around just getting the amount of capital that is needed or was needed way back to get it through the ipo which is when you had banks like nomura and shizuoka get involved there you did not need at this stage strategic advisory in so much as what you would need at an early stage startup today so depending on where you are in your journey you may wish to pick um as a founder what is it that you want from the vc now the vcs also have different types of engagement model there are specific late stage uh, vc funds that deploy capital but do not want to be involved with the founders they take typically minority stakes single digit numbers let's say 2 to 5% and they're just waiting for the financial returns typically you will find these investments in pre ipo uh, kind of places then you of course have the early stage investments where you're absorbing a large um, or creating a large partnership so to speak so there of course idea is that you will be uh, expected to be involved with the founder very actively helping them hire uh helping them think strategy uh which market to target connecting them with the right set of partners so all of that happens and hence it's a function of both what you need and what your partner can provide today one of the things at least in early stage ecosystem and i think to some effect even larger enterprises is that each fund which is investing at each level has access to all of this which is each fund will say that we have access to portfolio uh financial support we have content marketing support we have freelance uh solution support so we will give your venture a full stack support of offerings but the idea is that the depth of the offering in each of these differs so that depth of offering is what each vc fund has which is different so even if each fund says that we will help you build your product you will be able to interact with their founders uh the ones who have, who they've previously worked with and get a sense from them which is what is the kind of help that is provided and what is the depth till which the fund goes so there are a lot of considerations here and it is more from a sense of saying what is the ownership or what does the vc fund stand to lose as well and what is the inherent nature at which they work for someone who's doing 200 investments in a year you can largely expect to not get most of their time as simple as that so now the entire process of how we secure funding and how we get involved with the vc firm is uh, absolutely clear to me at least and i hope to the listeners as well it will be pretty clear so one last question that we have is that which is one sector that you individually feel will be the one that will procure maximum venture capital funding in the coming years except the fintech sector that's an interesting question right um so and uh, multiple perspectives to take here i think um fintech of course the days are there and fintech will continue to evolve as we go edtech there was a boom but i think uh, edtech has uh, also kind of matured now so to me the next stage and i think this is where a lot of people are getting involved today is the uh, blue collar space so the reason is that india as a market we have a large number of blue collar workers who were hitherto ignored uh, be it by in terms of saying that they, there is no possibility to monetize with them there is no possibility to deliver content to them 
but with access to internet with access to cheap smartphone devices and because of lockdown all of that having been accelerated there is a lot of distribution that startups have unlocked into each of these people so i think anything that is targeting that uh, demographic which is the middle let's say 6 to 700 million of indians i think that is where uh, a lot of exciting products a lot of exciting innovation will come in so i expect a lot of venture funding to go in that direction now how that pans out is of course we've seen apna which is um let's say linkedin specifically targeted to blue collar hiring but in addition to that we've seen uh, pagar book we are seeing quick works we are seeing a lot of these startups come up in this uh, segment so i think as we grow we are going to see a lot of um, money flowing into products or services being targeted towards them now that in terms of a demographic is there in terms of saying which sector it's going to be i think uh, idea largely or at least my bet here would be in employment and employment management so anything going from um specifically for them which is going from upskilling to hr tech which is management to leadership development so the entire life cycle there and you can start that with social platforms like apna so that way that that would be my bet oh got your point so the labor the employee management is something that you are looking out and the maximum investments according to you would be there in this space uh just a final yeah. question that ceo do has always guided students or uh, would you like to share your wisdom on any advice for young professionals and students on a closing note hmm so uh this this won't be an original advice from me right this is something um that i think most people would know of uh navel ravikant has said this right and so very simple yet very powerful idea today what a lot of students what a lot of professionals end up doing and i have been in that space right so as an undergrad at least i can relate very heavily is that we want to be let's say holistically developed and there's nothing wrong with that except that because of that we have 30 40 in some cases 100 goals that we want to accomplish problem with that when you have a 100 goals is that you're not able to effectively prioritize your mind will give you alerts for one goal over the other and it leads to a lot of anxiety because you have a lot of tasks that you need to complete there are time crunches everywhere and the end result is even if you complete let's say 90 of them there will always be some that are not completed in the process lead to dissatisfaction discontent So Naval Ravikant says this, and it's a beautiful, uh, profound statement, which is: pick one goal, right? Pick one goal at a time and pursue that relentlessly. And I think that is a very beautiful notion. Because, and be mindful of this: it's not that you don't have to do the hundred other things, right? You can do them. Which is, uh, if my goal for the next six months. is to just study focus on my academic performance get my gpa numbers up it is not that i will not continue let's say going to my dance class it is not that i will not continue to meet my friends but 
all of that will not capture my mind share because your time is one thing but mind share is another and more problematic than solving for time is solving for mind share and so once you start solving for your mind share you will be able to realize more of your potential so go to your dance class go meet your friends go to the gym go to your uh, driving lessons if you have to get that license as well but let your mind only focus on the pursuit of that one goal relentlessly when you do that your focus will be much sharper your head will be much clearer and in general i think there is a sense of positivity um that you will experience as you go through this cycle so to everyone that would be my only advice continue doing whatever you want to whatever you have to but in terms of mind share just have one goal so that you know that is the kpi that you are weighing yourself against continuously and consistently and performance will come through that's all so this power of one and focus towards just a single goal is really important in everyone's life i suppose um thank you so much akul uh, for having uh, for uh, explaining about the venture capital space to our listeners and to everyone i hope everyone will now have a clearer idea as to how this entire space functions uh, it was great having you here today on the podcast and looking forward to you interacting with you for the other editions of this podcast as well great thank you so much for that shikhar all the best to you and the team and hope uh, i was able to provide something of value to the listeners uh right it was absolute value thank you so much akhil